the Diocese of Churches for the Sake of Others, is pleased to present the C4SO Podcast, a place to celebrate the voices and values of C4SO, a diocese of the Anglican Church in North America, led by Bishop Todd Hunter. You can learn more about us at c4so.org. Hey, everybody, it's the C4SO Podcast. I'm your host, Ben Sternke, and today we're continuing our series on faith and vocation, the calling that each one of us has to join God in the work of restoring and healing all things through our daily work. Uh, the Reverend Bill Walker is my co-host for the series. Bill is the Director of Vocation at Christ Church in Austin, Texas. Bill, uh, great to see you. Great to be with you again. Yes, good to be back, Ben. Good to, good to see what, you. What is the... What is the weather like right now in Austin, Texas, Bill? Oh, man. Well, until the last few days, it's been uh, characteristically hot. Uh, We had had a somewhat late winter, and then spring lasted a few weeks, and then it jumps into summer. But we got much-needed rain in the last 24 hours, and it cooled down for a couple days leading up, so that's been cool. Okay. What about where you are? uh, It's been uh, been, uh, pleasant. Yeah, pleasant. Today's the highest 77. Um, we, we had an early kind of uh, jump in heat um, a few weeks ago, uh, but then it sort of settled back into what it normally feels like yeah. around here, which is 70s, 70s and 80s at this point. So, oh, so nice. anyway, I was wondering, uh, because uh, I have a daughter coming down to Austin uh, in the fall, and I wondered what it would be like for her. So, mm-hmm. Well, listeners, our guest today is Eric Stumberg who is a parishioner and a deacon at Christ Church, Austin. He has previous work experience at Dell Corporation and a family-owned global, global construction company. And in 2002, he founded Tango Internet, which provides turnkey Wi-Fi services to the outdoor lodging and hospitality market. Eric also serves as president for his family's exotic ranch in Kerrville and manages his son's soccer team. He lives in Austin with his wife, Carrie, and their 10-year-old son, Erickson. Eric, welcome to the C4SO podcast. Thanks, Ben. Thanks, Bill. Uh, before we get into uh, the questions that Bill has for you, Eric, I am wondering what happens in an exotic ranch. What, what is that, and what happens there? Um, well, so an exotic means they're non-native species. So this ranch uh, was the first... Uh, exotic ranch in Texas. So uh, the owner at the time in the 30s um, was the on the board of the San Antonio Zoo and he had a dude ranch oh. and he wanted to create a wildlife game park. So he bought surplus animals from the San Antonio Zoo um, what are, and put them on the park. And then uh, okay. they've survived and thrived. And now we uh, have commercial hunting and uh, live sale of this stock. Um, so it's managing land and managing these 17 okay. different species. Okay. Well, fascinating. I, yeah. uh, I, I read that in your bio and I thought, what in the world is going on there? I'd never heard of that. So that is fascinating. Um, <laughs> I wonder too, if I can ask you about your son's name. Um, your name is Eric. Your son's name is Eric's son. Yep. Um, and I, I was just uh, thinking that that is a, I think a, a Northern European naming convention, but I, I wondered how... I don't know if that's where the where the name comes from or how your son ended up with the name Erickson. Yeah. Um, so when my wife and I uh, were, when my wife was pregnant with our, our child, mm-hmm. uh, we were coming up with names and my wife had three pages of girl names and zero boy names. And so when we found <laughs> out uh, that we were going to have a boy, 
Um, there were a few names, uh, but ultimately, at the same time my wife was pregnant, my dad had been in a long-term um, just uh, hospital situation. And so, mm. and so we wanted to do something to honor my dad. And so my wife said, why don't we, uh, and my dad would call me Eric, comma, son. And so mm. my wife said, well, why don't we name him Erickson? Um, oh, wow. So, and then we found out, oh, well, look at all these Northern Europeans. They've been doing it for years. And yeah, so, yeah, but it came yeah. from what my dad called me. Okay. Well, that's really, uh, that's really nice. I appreciate you sharing that story. Yeah. And thanks, it's great, uh, great to have you on the podcast today. I'm looking forward to hearing uh, a bit about your life and uh, about vocation and faith through, through, your, uh, through your life. Mm. Bill, where should we start here? Yeah, Eric's good to have you here. And uh, yeah, I think back to when I first met you, really, it was I came across your name and some of your work prior to meeting you in person at Christchurch through uh, a course I was teaching uh, at Baylor at the time, Christian Ethics Applied to Business. And uh, I, I saw your name and you were being interviewed in a publication at Made to Flourish by Amy Sherman, who wrote you know, this great book, Kingdom Calling. And she was talking to you as a practitioner and as an exemplar in in the marketplace as a CEO and asking all kinds of questions about um, how you understand uh, the work that you're doing to be part of uh, God's mission. And the title the title of that article struck me and stayed with me ever since. I use it, I sign it each each semester as a uh, kind of first um, exposure for students to what it would be like to think through as a leader of a business ways that um, uh, the way the way that you lead is uh, informed uh, by the by the gospel, and and we also show films uh, that, that have featured companies, uh, some of which you know in this course. And so I just, I knew of of your uh, involvement in the faith and work movement and through Seattle Pacific University and such. But uh, the title of this article was "Every Business Decision Is a Theological Decision," uh, which I just loved. And so I'm wondering, I know there's a story there of like when, when, that, uh, when your eyes were open to that truth, uh, what, what was that like for you? When did you, when did you discover uh, that, that God cares about all your business decisions, Eric? <laughs> um, 2013 at a retreat at Lady Lodge. Mm. Um, and the speaker was a guy named Jeff Van Duzer. He had recently published a book called Why Business Matters to God, hmm. you know, and what still needs to be fixed. Oh, nice. Um, and so I have been Christian my whole life. I was raised, you know, I'm fourth generation Presbyterian. Um, and um, But I just never heard someone tell me. So there were two things that were profound. Uh, one is that, one, that Jesus called people to the market to do marketplace mm-hmm. stuff mm-hmm. and intrinsically valuable. So one, and, and, um, and that God cares not just about business people, but business mm. and yeah. what's the purpose of business. And that, that kind of Psalm of, you know, the earth is the Lord's and all that is in it and does actually the practice and realm of business fall under the Lordship of Christ, or is it a different, you know, or does it not? And so that kind of question of, huh, you know, like if 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 all this is supposed to be for the Lord, right? How should it be practiced? You know, what's its why? Yeah. You know, why, how, and what? 
And, um, and so, yeah, so 50,000 hours of work I'd live, I mean, workplace stuff. And I'd never heard those two things that I could be called to do what I was doing, could wow. join God's work in the world in this way. And that, wow, I should think theologically about everything. Mm-hmm. Like, why yeah. it's not, it's just a separate realm. It has its own laws and rules. It's almost an idolatry that, oh, it has its own rules and you got to, yeah. got to play by those rules, right? To please the business gods. Yeah. Wow. And so if that's true, right? Again, and it just goes like everything matters to God, every decision. So it's not new. It's like everything actually matters. But mm-hmm. in business, every decision that you make flows from some belief or understanding about the why, the how, what does it mean to be human, right? And all those pieces in it. So yep. consciously or unconsciously. Yeah. So I guess it was a illumination and a revelation like, oh my goodness. So mm. now what? Now what do I do with this new information? So Yeah. Gosh, that's there's so much good there to so much to talk about. And you say now what? And I guess that's kind of a follow-up question is yeah, now what? What did <laughs> what changed what began to change for you in 2013 as you looked at your company and yeah. what that would what that would look like? Yeah, so I would say like one thing, like, so what does it mean to put Christian in front of my identity as a business person and then finding meaning in Christ in the calling and practice of business? So if I kind of put it from that perspective, um, so I like, I like with Paul, like I came back to Austin and I was like, this is amazing and started talking to people and no one was like, obviously everybody, no, no one knew about this, right? So I Got a book group, um, read together. Um, anyway, all sorts of stuff. And then ended up having Seattle Pacific send their practitioners to Austin. We had a series called Business is Christian Vocation uh, to do that. And that led with this um, high. So uh, for the first thing, it's like, why does my business exist? How does the purpose of my business align with the kingdom of God mm-hmm. and how God would want stuff to happen? So the biggest bill was just, you know, does what? What's my why, and is it intrinsically, you know, good, mm, yeah. um, or is it just instrumentally good? You know, yeah. and so, um, so I really had to look at the mission and values of our business and really align them with what God's will and ways were, um, wow. and then that was kind of one, and then, right, and then, mm. and then started to like, if that's true, how does you know what do I feel like God's calling me to? do what practices do i have um are sinful uh what are good what needs Mm. to be redeemed Mm. yeah and and so so yeah so it was kind of weird to come back into my company that i started that Mm -hmm. had been operating for 11 years (laughs) let's go oh goodness yeah yeah you know what do i need to fix Yeah, Eric, I wonder that the phrase that you used there uh, was intriguing to me. And I wonder if you could kind of double click on it, expand on it a little bit. You you said that, um, what's my why? And is it intrinsically good or only instrumentally good? Yeah. Can you explain what you mean by that? And, and maybe a couple examples of an intrinsically good why and what you mean by an only yeah. instrumental good? Yeah. So so when I learned, like, is this, is the thing of business itself good? Like if I actually deliver internet, right, to the mm-hmm. traveler and we provide 
support for hospitality operators to serve the traveler, is that intrinsically good? Mm. Or is the only good that comes from it is it allows me to tell people about Jesus or the profits that I I make from it, I can invest in people who are really doing intrinsically good things. I see. Um, Right? Is it a... That's what I would mean. And so... Yeah. So how do you, how do you think about that? And then you know you think about your company uh, that you started, and I don't know if I fully understand what you do, but it sounds like you're providing Wi-Fi for travelers. Yeah. But through yeah for and that's through the the outdoor lodging kind of market. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Close so enough. I'm, yeah. 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 Okay. All right. I. Uh, but what what uh, yeah what what were your conclusions about that then? What is is this an intrinsic good? How do you think about that? Yeah, so I think I when I was learning about like if I think about like good jobs and bad jobs, uh, if I grew up and I was thinking about what got celebrated in church, local church, um, if you're a pastor, that's celebrated as really this highest good, the best right, job you right. could possibly do thing. for the Lord yep. Yep. is to be a pastor to be a cross-cultural missionary yep. or to work for a nonprofit that's doing justice work, right? Or mercy yeah. work. Yeah. Um, and then don't be um, a pornographer. Don't be a sex <laughs> right. trafficker. Don't right. be a drug dealer. Don't do illegal right. things. Right, right. And then there's this, there's this whole vast range of jobs in the middle right. that are not the best jobs you could have in the Lord, and they're not uh, red line jobs, right? right they're not right. jobs that they're just okay ones. They're instrumentally because you can tell people about Jesus, you can make money and give to the good work of these people that are pastors and missionaries, right? Uh-huh. And so, and I feel like the same's for business, right? That like you don't think about internet services, right, mm-hmm. as a justice or mercy ministry, right? Right, it's right. just not soon or a missionary thing. So, mm-hmm. I think what it came to me is like I had to find like, is is this the work that God's invited me to join in the world? Right? Mm-hmm. Is this, and and I think for me, the the Lord cares about hospitality. Yeah, the Lord cares about the traveler all through yeah. the Old Testament, mm-hmm. and how do we provide hospitality for the traveler? Yeah. And so for me. It was a way for me to connect these travelers to the people and things that were important to them while they were on the road and allow these hospitality operators to provide uh, hospitality, right, to them. And so I found my rooting in in the end, and then then you get into the triple kind of thing of, but if the purpose of a business is to serve and bring help contribute to Shalom, um, its also purpose is to provide people uh, meaningful work yeah. to do, right. and 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 meaningful means it's part of something connected bigger, but also in a way that's aligned with how they're made and their own yeah. specific skills and callings. Yeah, um, yeah. So the the end of the business, it's not just it's not just a good for the customer uh, yeah. or for the business owner, but also for anybody employees, basically people who work in the business that ends up being a good for them as well. Yeah, like what's a virtuous business model? And so I started thinking right. about like how do you build like what is that, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, so, so I had started with, hey, I really think that hospitality for the traveler is really important. Um, and I found this rooting of, and I feel 
call to connect those people for success, connect yeah. these operators, and then for people who are working at our company to connect them for some for success in some uh, meaningful way around you know, how we pay them, yeah. um, how we develop, how we shepherd and develop them. You know. Yes. Yeah. That's a good. And that's, so yeah. during their time at our at our business, yeah. so. Does that help? Yeah, thanks for that. Does that's that's brilliant. I, I really appreciate yeah, yeah. hearing the the specifics there. I think that's really helpful. Yeah, yeah, and I would love to include in the show notes too, Ben, a link to an article or an interview where Eric talks in even more detail about some of the things they've done at Tango along these lines that th- that this thinking has inspired. Great, yeah. Um, but I also want to shift gears, okay. Eric, and ask Let's because you you uh, I mean, you've been part of the faith and work movement these last eight years or so in light of this awakening you had. Uh, and you and you allude to what I think is not an uncommon experience for many of us in the church, where until that time, uh, the church gave the impression, at least, whether intentionally or not, that this other work wasn't as important um, as the as the kind of ordained ministry or missionary work. Uh, but but there's been some uh, growing awareness, I think we can say, about in, in the church along these lines. We've seen uh, churches come alive to and, and recognize, oh gosh. We're, we're, we've missed something here. Uh, so what, what's, what's been encouraging that you've seen in the church uh, as a response to this truth uh, that uh, everyone's called and that, and that all work can have this intrinsic value, not merely instrumental value? Have you seen signs of, of the church faithfully um, you know, coming alongside its people? Uh, are, are, are you encouraged by, by some of the church's uh, work to... Uh, shepherd and 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 support and form people into this uh, truth. Yeah, um, let me give kind of a couple of you know examples that we can come back to Bill and Ben. Yeah. But so it shaped. Um, so we talked about why. Um, so it shaped. Um, how do I pay people? Do I pay them a w- wage that they can live? Yeah. This is before it became like super. Uh, we started providing full benefits because I said, man, if someone can't, if someone gets sick and they can't have health care and they're working for me, uh, shame on me. Um, we started like we have a, a third of our employees are veterans. So we have mm-hmm. the we started seeing we didn't fix it, but we didn't intentionally. But veterans have PTSD. So we became this first time place of how do we participate and one of the big mm. national issues of returning veterans and PTSD wow. and suicide rates. And so wow. uh, ownership, there's a whole f- sets of practices, processes, viewing people as fungible versus, you know, does, does my work for people, is it only in this organizational context or does it go beyond? Mm. Um, I think where the, the encouragement, I mean, personally, like when I came back from this um, retreat, and I, uh, the the priest at our church, you know, I was like, had this idea, we have to do something. And so we started a faith and business ministry, uh, which was me trying to play out all these things that I was learning with a group of people. And so the church allowed me to do that and supported it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I think, um, I think where I'm seeing encouragement is there's just a lot of, uh, there's a lot more churches that are trying things. Uh, at least in us to speak to the city, you know, there's um, like there's three or four churches that have faith and uh, work mm-hmm. uh, ministries that are formal and trying to help people around that and connecting that. Um, yeah. 
I'm seeing work to, we've talking about marketplace, but I'm seeing just calling in general mm-hmm. to whatever work the Lord's calling you to do. So I think my understanding, right, of calling has gotten a lot bigger mm-hmm. too, and I think the church is helping to validate all calling, right, to the Lord as who He's called us to be. And so I think the that's probably, I've, I've been encouraged around that. Um, and trying to try new things. You know, Bill, you're one of the examples of Christchurch trying to figure out like, hey, if we're trying to really be serious about vocation in our context, let's let's hire somebody and and yeah. try it, you know, and yeah. see what happens yeah. um, for a few years, right? And, and I feel like, I don't want to call it, and I've heard like innovation, but I feel like the church is some trying uh, to integrate or mm-hmm. or amend or append mm-hmm. its ministries with this thing, and um, in various ways. Yeah, and you know, and I think yeah, which has been helpful because there's a lot of third parties right that are trying to, yeah, you know that are. Yeah, so I think it's important because yeah. So anyway, I'll let I'll let it go. I'm rambling, but that's no, those no, are some that's... few ways I think are super encouraging. Um, where the fact we're having this podcast is encouraging, right? Because yeah. yeah. I think the I think the challenge is most a lot of business people in particular, and just and when as I've talked to more more and mentors, a lot of people in general are not finding uh, a place to talk about calling. Mm. in the church they're having to find it somewhere else right and and that's the issue for me mm. um, because they're finding it from their friends they're finding it from their workmates they're finding mm. it in a lot of other places and I'm thinking well certainly the the local church should be the primary place yeah. where we're discipled and understanding how God has made us and calling us and the mission in the world mm. and I feel like that's the real crux right now yeah yeah, that that's that's connected to kind of another question. The flip side of this, there's there's encouragement. There's there's signs of Christians responding. Yeah. Uh, to to the how God cares about how work is done, uh, and yet you you talk about too the this third third party group that's done it, or it's not happened in the church. It's not been a top priority or conversation, or space has not been provided to discuss vocation or work, and maybe until recently, but. Uh, but where do you see? Yeah, where do you see opportunity for the church to do more of this? And we've, you've, we have examples, but where do you think some growing edges might might be for a lot of folks, especially thinking about just our diocese? Yeah, and so if so, the framework bill is like, and you see this kind of being kind of at a university setting, right? And being yeah. at, at churches, look, these primary discipling institutions that societies relied on are being are are degraded mm-hmm. right the family structures right is under attack we're seeing all sorts of family these k-12 education places that used to have some alignment with character and formation yeah. are attacked and degraded right they're not places of positive formation mm-hmm. um and even higher education right all these christian schools that were founded as christian who've kind of lost that anchor of that identity and so and so, so as we think about it right now, like people's, uh, there's a crisis, right, of identity and meaning that's actually in the church, mm. right? And so if I was thinking about where do we, like, where can the church, what's the opportunity 
I think it's family ministry and, and really equipping families to disciple their kids. That goes back to passing of the faith comes from the, the, the parents to their children. That's, that was the primary purpose of family was to pass the faith and, and equip. And so, so something in family ministry, more family-oriented, I think the segmentation of the church to K-12 and couples and all that makes it very fragmented. And I don't know how to come alongside families to help them in their education mm-hmm. and discipleship of their children mm-hmm. uh, and their calling. Um, yeah. I think that uh, sending kids to college or sending that, that, that high school age bill uh, more of that's a, as a primary work is before you, before you graduate someone, they should be commissioned mm-hmm. into what they're going into next. So season mm-hmm. of life bill. And so that would be season of life or changes like that. Um, I think those are easy. And, and I think the two things that I would add, like if I was thinking about like rifle shots, um, that's a terrible phrase. I apologize. I'm a hunter and, and thinking what happened in Uvalde. So I apologize. Um, but it's like strategic levers. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I visited Tom Nelson's church in um, Kansas City, Christ Community Church. And I was asking him, I was part of a vocational community in 2015. And I asked him like, like, what are the programs you do around this? And he goes, nothing. And I was like, okay, well, it's like, but what do you do? It's like, I visit my parishioners every Tuesday, and I've been doing that for 20 years because those are my, uh, those are my missionary. I go to see what their mission field is like. So for 20 mm-hmm. years, that's what he does on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. And all of his stories about the great exemplars of the faith and the great missionaries of the faith are his people. Mm-hmm. And I think that... So that's one thing, and that's why I really like visiting people where they work in their own context is really uh, critical. And I don't see a, I don't know that that's an animating prospect for a lot of pastors to want mm-hmm. to visit people where they work. I feel, you know, it's mm-hmm. like there's already so much to do, and and we're really right. oriented. How do we make pastoral visits more efficient? So bring them to the church versus, mm-hmm. yeah, you know. So I think that's one, and then I think. Mm-hmm. So, I think the words discipleship is weird. I, I, I really felt like there's not a, like when we talk about discipleship, I thought about like the people who follow Jesus, apprentices of Christ. Mm-hmm. And I don't see discipleship as ministry or relational ministry. I don't see that as a thing. I see a lot of communal formation and programming, but I don't see a lot of discipleship. Mm-hmm. Um that was central to me growing versus you kind of figure. So, uh, and then mission. So these words that we use, Bill, I mean, I don't, am I a missionary? Mm-hmm. If I'm joining God's mission that he has for me in the world, am I a missionary or is that reserved for the beneficiaries of the missions committee? Yeah. Mm. And I think, so there's structural things around naming, yeah. um, and I think some yes. practices of the church around equipping the family and thinking about that, because that's how the, pa- the fa- equipping parents and equipping to, to disciple their kids mm-hmm. and support them. Um, and just thinking about like, because I think, Bill, like the challenge with a lot of these um, works of faith work integration is they're not integrated into the life of the church. They're add-ons. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And everybody's already burnt out, Right. People are burnt. I mean, the moment Christianity today is like staff, church staff burnt. 
Yep. You know, families burnt, and yep. this is going to be one more thing yeah. versus how does it not be one more thing? How does it be kind of a primary thing that happens? Yeah. Bill, I, so those are, would be a few things. Um, right. So I, I uh, so I don't know, but those would be my, I think the opportunities, I don't have great answers for them, but you know, mm-hmm. like a lot of people, like, yeah, I think that could, that could be better. So, but yeah. I also think just patience, right? Because we're doing, if you're working in the church, you're working hundred year things culturally and all that. And I think that's been my, like, how do we shape the next generation and how do we yeah. take care of the people now? Um, yeah. mm. oh, so, that's good. Thank you, Eric. There's, there's a lot of rich uh, reflection there. And <laughs> I, I, I think of, well, what, there's several themes, but one that stood out too is just the, the notion of, of commissioning. And I remember, I remember early in our conversations about the Christchurch effort around this was that one of your hopes was everyone commissioned, everyone commissioned, yeah. everyone sensing that they are sent on mission into the world uh, with God before them to participate in this redemptive work. Uh, and that, that mm-hmm. captures a lot. I think of what you're saying that if that, that that's not an add on, right? That's built in already uh, to what, the church is doing every time it gathers in worship and then scatters right that uh, from from there and uh, if that were understood in those terms it would uh, capture a lot more of um, how we're all part of this this work together yeah bill i mean you talked um, about it so i love the calling lab stuff and these programs and they've been wonderful but for you discipleship is what bridges calling and mission and it's just i don't know how do you put that back at the forefront, you know, when we when we baptize somebody, we're, we're committing as a church to disciple them in the work of the church, which is mission, right? And like, so how we place that out, um, you know, yeah. so I don't yeah. know. I, I, I like all the things and I think they're great. I just, um, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. yeah, there's, there's, there's still, you can feel a little bit of a gap there always that we're trying to, trying to close. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Kind of a, a one closing question from me, Eric, is finally, uh, how would you put words right now in this season of your life to how you sense God yeah. God calling you to be part of his mission? That's the, thanks for asking that. Um, so I got to participate in the Fuller cohorts, Bill, and I, I love those things, right? Because they are this long-form discipleship mm-hmm. right, and doing all these practices together in a committed yeah. community. Mm-hmm. Um so I got to answer that question about five times, Bill. And so, um, and what was interesting is the first few times I answered that, it was it was the work that God was calling me to do. So I could say my role as a CEO, um, my role as a dad, the role as a husband, role. But what I, it evolved to, Bill, is like it actually my purpose was t- to change from doing to being this type of person that God wants me to be. In order to do the work he wants to do, so, so, so it shifted, um, and I think that identity of he wants to grow us in Christ, right, uh, and be an ambassador. So, um, so I, I think my purpose is to be a friend. Um, you know, my dad had his highest value was friendship, and I think Jesus was like, "There's no greater love than this to lay down your life for a friend." So I really feel part of my purpose in, is to be a friend. Um, it's to be a what I would call a generational steward. Um, this, that goes into the land bin. It's like how do you take care of things for the yeah. next generation, and that's that discipleship. 
yeah. of discipling my son to take care of this place, right, and this yes. thing, and to and yeah. the church, yeah. um, to be a friend, to be a discipler, uh, yeah. and then figuring out what deacon means, Bill. I'm like, I'm still, I got <laughs> ordained like two years ago, and okay. on yeah. leap leap year in COVID, and I, I think trying to figure out mm. what you know being a deacon as a as an identity. Mm-hmm. Uh, means mm-hmm. um, so those three things: friend, discipler, and uh, and a deacon. Yeah, yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah, that is that's so good. There, there's so much more we could explore here, uh, Eric. Especially, I'm I'm very intrigued by uh, your connection to like caring for the land, um, and I'm also really intrigued by the connection you have as a deacon now, as an ordained deacon. Mm-hmm. In, in Christ's church to uh, that and that connection to your role as a business person, a business owner, you know, a boss. I mean, all of that kind of stuff is, is so rich. Um, but we'll have to, we'll have to close it for now. Um, but this has been a really rich uh, conversation, um, Eric. We'll, uh, we'll end with two questions that we're asking everybody who comes on the C4SO podcast this year. Um, the first question is this, what is a book, a movie or a TV show that you appreciated recently? Um, recently, yeah, uh, a book, a movie, or a TV show. Um, probably the book I've been reading, and it's one I've read it several times, but I keep coming back to it. Is Life Without Lack? Mm. Um, it's Dallas Willard. It was written Willard's? posthumously. Yeah. Um, okay. hmm. um, I like Ted Lasso. I'm the soccer manager <laughs> for my son, so yeah. But that was super Ted. fun. Can't yeah, really yeah. use all of those in a 10-year-old soccer team. <laughs> That's um, true. That's true. But that would be like that book still yeah. reads pretty deep. Hmm. Yeah, that's one I haven't read. I, I'm a huge – Willard was hugely influential for me. Just just yeah. massive. Um, and, but I haven't read that one. Looks like there's this. a few that they've – thank you. Yeah, that's yep. good. That reflections on Psalm 23. Yep. Um, good. Our, the second question uh, is this: How can we pray for you? Uh, I so I think if I was thinking about like I'm trying to. So the one practice I've been working on is um, let's see. My we're, we're learning how to care for my wife's parents. There's a lot of mm. transition stuff, but okay. I would say. Um, the one practice I'm working on is is closing the day, closing the work day. Um, mm, okay. I have a very high responsibility value, and okay. the 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 undones yep. uh, of the day um, stick in my brain, mm-hmm. and it impacts how present I am uh, to people, uh, yeah. including my wife, yeah. my son, mm-hmm. and others. So I think being present uh, with and two people okay. as I'm finding that listening. Does that make sense? I've yeah, we've been practicing sure. that. How do I listening is loving and I'm finding uh, like I'm trying to be more present with people and listen. Mm. Um and and so at home that means closing the day, but during the day it just means not having, you know, just being present. So if you could yeah. pray for me to be present to the Lord and present to the people he's put in my life, that Amen. would be great. 
Yeah, well, that that's, I'm resonating strongly with you, that prayer request as well. So if listeners, if you are praying for Eric and you have a, a few extra prayers, you could pray for me too uh, in that same regard. So Eric, this has been such a fun conversation. I really appreciate you taking some time uh, to chat with us. Yeah. Thank you, Ben. Thanks for listening to this episode of the C4SO podcast. We hope you enjoyed our conversation. Email us your thoughts and suggestions at connect at c4so.org.